1: It's time for school, rock school, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Yes.
0: No, you don't get to drop that and walk away. <laughs> a Christian mystic, yes, so
1: a Christian mystic Canadian. That's, that's right, it, indeed he is. What's um, that? And Chad P. Normally here, because that's how we roll here on the Big RS, isn't that right, Doc? <laughs> the Big RS. Well, we're, is we're that gotta,
0: we're going to start calling out now? Wait for a hipper audience.
1: Yeah, class
0: is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show on the Rock School Radio Network, and we're starting something new today. We have some guests in the studio. It's going to be part of what I believe is a four part series, and I'm really proud to have these guests in the studio. Let's get names out of the way first. My name is Joe Burns. Uh, To my left, two people down. Who are you? I'm Chad P. That's right. Kind of intimidated by all the
1: letters in here. Yeah, we uh, we have an alphabet soup at the end of each
0: name. Let's go to my right. You know him if you were listening to our Rock School Roundtable show. Who are you? Explain yourself, young man.
2: Bill Robison. I'm a Tudor historian, head of the Department of History and Political Science, and a music fan. My old job.
3: Yes. Uh, And to my (laughs) left, you are? I'm Dan McCarthy. I'm a physicist here at Southeastern and also a music fan. Uh, I plasma... Physicist. Yes, plasma physicists, right. Yeah. Right, because you got to be
0: specific. When you say physicists, most people look at you, oh, well, what kind of physicist? That's that's a question I'm asked all the time. All yes,
3: the time. I understand. Yeah, that's right. obviously it what confuses I was thinking. People. <laughs> what <laughs> type of of the first thing that comes this into a my mind. What
1: plasma physicists do, if you had to paraphrase that down? Because that just sounds difficult. You study plasmas. Oh. Well, oh, there well, we go. Yeah. Nuclear I have a,
0: physicists study nuclei, we study plasmas. See, I have a plasma TV at home, and when I went into Best Buy, they asked, are you a physicist, and they moved me right over to the LEDs. You, so, what we're doing here is a series of lectures, which will turn into Rock School radio shows. And since this idea came from our tutor historian over here, Burr, why don't you just explain what we're doing for the next four shows.
2: Okay, well, first of all, I have to, to say that it actually came from Dan originally. Oh. He's the one that came up with the idea of doing a, a theme show uh, on the the first of these, uh, on protest songs. And then we sort of, sort of took it and ran with it. And the first four ideas we came up with were to do protest songs that uh, aren't all that well-known. You know, this is not blowing in the wind or where have all the flowers gone that we're talking about here. Uh, to do some songs about history. Uh, to do some songs that uh, come out of the, the, the rock genre that take a largely positive view of religion, and because Dan is a plasma physicist, to do some songs about science. Um, the whole idea here is to, uh, I guess, demonstrate that um, some popular music is about things other than adolescent angst, teenage crushes, and chilling at the club. It is? Um, there are songs out yeah, there. there? There are. We, we have a few here today. All right. So today is
1: all about protest songs.
0: Yes. Now, we've done protest songs, but all we did was the history of the protest songs. Being a, a historian, you're going to tell us what the actual protest was about and maybe a little history of uh, the protest. That's right. Okay, pick one. I've got 12 songs. What are we starting with?
2: Why don't we start with uh, Fortunate Son? Because that's a, a song that people may know, but they may not know the story behind it. Creedence uh, Clearwater Revival. Right.
1: Got something to do with Nam, I think, right?
2: Yes, it does. Um, John Fogarty had actually been in the Army himself, um, and uh, he he wrote this song after, uh, he says, seeing uh, David Eisenhower, the grandson of the former president, with Julie uh, Nixon, who later became his wife, and thinking to himself, this guy will never go to Vietnam because he's too well connected. Mm -hmm. And uh, he then sort of segued from that to talking about senator sons and what have you. Uh, it uh, the song came out on 1969's uh, Willie and the Poor Boys. It was embraced by a lot of anti-Vietnam protesters, but also by a lot of Vietnam vets themselves and uh, ends up showing up in a lot of movies and documentaries about Vietnam as well. I
1: was just going to ask you that. Do you think it's sheer coincidence that in the Forrest Gump movie, as soon as they cut to that first Vietnam scene with that helicopter flying overhead, that Fortunate Son's playing in the background? Yeah, absolutely
2: not. No coincidence at all. Yeah. That's
1: Lord. cool, man. Lord, <laughs> don't it look like a rummage sale. I, I didn't it. remember it showed up a lot during the
3: uh, presidential election when Dan Quayle was nominated as uh, vice president. That's correct. So yeah, to Dan Quayle,
0: who followed that same category. Absolutely, and it would have worked also with George Bush, but it just didn't. Not the first it. George Bush. No, the no, first no, no. George Bush is a decorated war hero. but maybe, is. maybe number two. Yeah. Right. So this is fortunate son. But right anyway, let's go. fortunate son here on rock schools we talk protest songs now off off mic bill you were saying this is going to be one of those shows where emails are going to come and people are going to stop you on the street well why didn't you play this or why didn't you play that absolutely welcome to my world when we do these topics and people say you know why didn't you play this why didn't you play this here's your pat answer we have an hour you you got to pick a song. You have to pick certain songs. And uh,
1: but, I, but I prefer, what would you rather? They email you and say, well, here's another suggestion. Here's a suggestion, or just nothing at all. At least that shows that right. they're engaged. Somebody's and they're listening. listening. Mm-hmm.
0: Somebody's listening. Always and we complain. hope this
2: stimulates people to look further.
0: Yeah, into more protest songs. Well, we played one from 69. Let's go forward and across the pond. We'll go forward eight years. We'll go over to the U.K., and we'll move over to Dan, Clash, Career Opportunities. Tell us about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, The Clash, that's a good example. We could have a couple hours just to Clash songs related to protest or social commentary. But um, this is one we had to pick out. It's from their first album, one of the most amazing albums you ever heard. Um, The Clash just took punk to an entirely new level. It wasn't just this kind of Thrashing, complaining about things for the sake of it. They were very intelligent, and they were talking about a very real problem in the UK then. And that was just terrible unemployment, which was just epic. It had you can't really relate to it over here. We complain about you know bad unemployment now, 20% over there, and so this was just a. Uh, hitting home really hard about what was happening with the youth over there in the UK. And they pack about 10 minutes' worth of energy into two minutes with this song. It's amazing. And this amazing.
0: was under Thatcher,
2: too. I mean, this was riots oh, this was, in the streets. Pre-Thatcher. Just oh, this before, was pre-Thatcher.
3: Yeah, just
2: before Thatcher. Yeah, this uh, came, came out in 77. Yeah. Uh, the next, next year was the winter of discontent, as they called it, which, which led to Thatcher replacing Callahan. Oh, I see. So, uh, in, in a sense, the clash helped to bring her in. <laughs> and,
3: and then, well, London Calling came out in '79, which was that would have been right when Thatcher was happening. Right. But, uh, That's
1: actually a pretty humorous way to go about doing it. How? What better way to protest unemployment? Come up with a tune called Career Opportunities. Sure. Right. Why well,
3: not? The ones that never knock. <laughs> That's.
1: Uh, yep. Great song. Sounds like this, Michael.
3: They are
2: for-
0: Clash Career Opportunities here on Rock School as we're talking about protest songs with our special guests in the studio, uh, Bill uh, Robeson and Dan McCarthy. This is part of a lecture series that we're doing, four shows in a row covering protest songs, history, religion, and science, and we're in number one right now talking about protest songs. Let's move on to Marvin Gaye. This guy has is, is always been kind of an enigma to me because he started off doing... You know, MoTowny type songs, and then moved into the kind of songs you're going to talk about here. songs uh, about the environment, and then weird sexual songs and all of that, and then dies at the hands of his father. I mean, he is himself this if you wrote his story and took it as a, uh, a movie and tried to pitch it to warner brothers they tell you to get lost yeah i mean he's, he's a weird weird individual yeah, it would, it would. i
1: actually thought marvin gaye was just affiliated with the sexual lover boy songs and stuff i wouldn't have dreamed he would be associated with a protest song
2: oh absolutely in fact the, the this song comes from an album that might be considered a protest album um and i think it's part of a a, a larger sort of maturation of of soul music that takes place or at least the subject matter of soul music. There's a lot of great soul music from the 1960s, but a lot of it's dance music. A lot of it's about uh, romantic relationships and what have you. And then the late 60s, early 70s, you start to see a lot of these soul artists getting a lot more serious about war, about racism drugs um, drugs yeah. and in, in this particular case about the environment uh there was a big ecology movement at the time the subtitle of this song mercy mercy me is is the ecology comes out just a couple of years after marvin Gaye was doing a song called too busy thinking about my baby to uh have my ain't mind got, don't time anything. For yeah, else. Ain't got time for nothing else right yeah. yeah well by 1971 he's got time for something else uh you know <laughs> what what's going on is a uh, it's about war and injustice, and uh, this one is, is about uh, damage to the environment. Um, you see the same sort of transition, I think, taking place uh, with Stevie Wonder's music, uh, which we might end up talking about in a little bit. Just um, in a little bit?
3: Yeah, and the points you've all brought up are that, you know, that's kind of why we're doing this show, is you think of protest as being the 60s. Like that's right. that's when the protest stuff happened, but there've been three, four decades of stuff where it's not as explicit, but there's tons of amazing music commenting on uh, social injustices and just commentary. Where from people you don't normally expect to do it, such as Marvin Gaye, and that's kind of what
1: we're trying to do here. I didn't know. I really didn't. There know. we go. Do you guys think that that may be a little unfortunate? That most people, and I, you know, I cite myself as the prime example. When I think of Marvin Gaye, the first thing that pops in my head is "Let's Get It On" at a at a wedding. Sexual reception. healing, sure, yeah. stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And I mean, there is obviously a whole new depth to this artist that people don't know about.
2: Well, I think that's true in a lot of cases. So many, yeah. Uh, you, you you go back, you know, a, f- a few decades to Billie Holiday, and people think of her, you know, mostly as doing "My Man Done Me Wrong" kind of songs. But uh, listen to the song "Strange Fruit," uh, which it's is basically about fruit. lynchings. Right. It's and not that fruit. that is a tough, tough song, um, and you know that that kind of thing goes on with a lot of artists. Uh, there's a lot of depth, as you say. That that we frequently miss, right? I'm surprised
0: with Marvin Gaye, you didn't do a protest song from his uh, album. What is it called? Here, dear, where he uh, he was told by a court to give the uh, the royalties from his next album to his wife. He was divorcing. I think it's called <laughs> Here, dear. That's different, a protest different right different there. kind of protest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's do it. Here's Mercy, Mercy Me, the Ecology. It's Marvin Gaye, Maxwell. Whoa, oh, Mercy, Mercy Me.
1: School Marvin Gaye right there on the protest song show. Yes, Marvin Gaye on the protest song show. You're going to hear a lot of stuff today that you wouldn't normally hear because that's how we roll here on the Big RS, isn't that right, Doc? <laughs> the Big RS. Is yeah, that we're going to so start calling it to Make way for a hipper audience. Yeah. Later on today,
0: you're going to hear some artists that have never actually been played on Rock School. Let me uh, let me ask the two people who we have in here, Dan and Bill. What about protest songs that are either? completely misunderstood they don't even know what the protest is about which i'm I'm sure upset some people or protest songs that were flat out missed as protest songs the the one that i love that's misunderstood is buffalo springfields for what it's worth the whole world thinks that it's a vietnam protest song and it's not it's about the hippie riots completely
2: you got another one um well um, Dan had a good one that he was talking about during the break, which is Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen's song, uh, which most people uh, have appropriated as a, a, a patriotic song. It's a patriotic song. No, it's actually not.
3: <laughs> it's not a, it's really a protest against America, but it comments a lot of things like his brother went to Sanh, came back home, went to Vietnam, and he's dead and they're all gone. I mean... That's right. not exactly a, uh, let's wave the flag in an apple pie type song right there. Isn't and that the politician. one that Reagan
1: wanted to use? No, yeah, he there's... wanted to
0: use Little Pink Houses. Oh, there's oh another oh. one. Right. And when he, contacted, when he contacted Mellencamp or Cougar or whatever he was at that point in uh-huh. time, uh, he, Reagan said to him, I want to use your song, or Reagan's people said, "You want to use your song. And Mellencamp's response was... Have you listened to the (laughs) lyrics of it? All they heard was Little Pink Houses. Uh And, you know, Reagan was all about just the visual. Yeah. And uh, there was a great story about Reagan. Uh, Leslie Stahl did an absolute terrible hit piece on him. And somebody called her and thanked her. And she said, did you not listen to it? And I said, no, what you said was immaterial. The visuals were beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's what people are going to Cinematic. remember. Awesome. Yeah, And so The Little Pink Houses would, would be enough. Uh, Trouble Every Day by Frank Zappa yeah. is another one. Right. And it, it probably isn't. It's about the, the riots, right. I'm not exactly. mistaken. And, yeah. and it's probably too easy just to take it as a song about racism. Yeah. Where in reality he was singing about the riots and such. So a lot of these will get will get mixed up and not heard for the protest that it's that's actually about. You mentioned um, the Billy Holiday song, yes, yeah, "Strange Fruit." People miss it completely that it's about about lynching. Exactly. And it's you know, that's, that's why I like the fact that you're here and not only talking about the fact that this is a protest song, but this is specifically what
1: they're protesting about. If that's the case, then would you say that the artist did not succeed? I'm going to write a song that protests the Iraqi war and everyone thinks it's about my house. Right. No, it's supposed to be about the Iraqi war. Oh, well, that's not what everybody thinks.
0: Yeah, Rock the Casbah. Epic fail. Yeah, Rock the Casbah is, uh, is actually about the fact that these kids want to dance and the, um, the, the, the people who are in charge in some unknown Middle Eastern country sending the jets in to shoot them, and they won't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's completely missed. It's just a dance song.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, but rock music played a, a fairly significant part in, in bringing down the Soviet bloc uh, mm-hmm. in, at the end of the 80s and early in the 90s. Um, we, th- we think of, of a lot of rock protest music as being sort of left of center, directed against the United States government. But in fact, the popularity of Western music in the Soviet Union undermined a lot of the values that the, that the Soviet government was trying to instill in the youth because they like to have fun. Uh, they also like to have some material possessions. The other thing that, that that undermined the Soviet Union was blue jeans. Blue jeans, right? Yeah. yeah you nice. could, if you could get if you could get to the Soviet Union with a, a suitcase full of blue jeans and, uh, and, and albums uh, in the 1980s, you could come home a wealthy man. What? Uh, absolutely, yeah, sure. Absolutely. There was even a show a few years ago that argues that you know the the, the Beatles helped to undermine uh, the Soviet Union even you know years after they broke up because of their popularity over there the uh, yeah. the guy
0: that uh, was one of my my teachers in graduate school he made the statement to us and uh, and he was i think Ukrainian his his statement was it wasn't war that brought down the soviet union it was the fax machine information <laughs> got absolutely. in absolutely yeah, and absolutely. they saw what it looked like hmm. Hello, Radio Universidad, Salamanca, Spain. Thanks for running the radio show. Hello, KSCL in Shreveport, Louisiana, where protesting was invented. That's right, right up there north of us, just a touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, get us on Facebook, search Rock School Radio Show, and like us, you really like us. Back in a minute with somebody that I gotta tell you, everybody wears his shirts, his posters are up on the wall, and I see him all over the place. Do you know what he's singing about? Do you have an idea? We're going to throw out one of his songs and uh, give you an idea of what he is singing about. Back in a minute, Rock School. Before the break, we were going to talk about somebody who does a great deal of protest. But a lot of people today, young people specifically, miss that his reggae music is a protest music. What they have is the multicolored poster. They have the tie-dyed T-shirt with his picture on the front. And they're like, oh, I love him. It's peace and love and ganja and what have you. Uh, Who am I talking about? Anybody know? Sean Paul yeah beautiful (laughs) who am i speaking of anybody marley bob marley Marley. Mm -hmm. yeah they just they just love the idea of marley missing his music totally what are we playing anybody what'd you bring
3: um, the, the one that came up I mean there are so many as Joe alluded to um, was Get Up Stand Up which was yeah. uh, co-written by uh, one of the guys in his band he and Peter Tosh and right. uh, Peter Tosh is another uh, great protest writer many of his songs Equal Rights and Justice were his whole theme but uh, to get back to Bob Marley I mean um it's, his music was, I mean, he was almost a religious figure in Jamaica. I mean, Ja is short for Jehovah. So a lot mm-hmm. of those things he talked about were related to this. But he was also very aware of social issues. And this one specifically, Bill can probably expound a little bit about the history behind what this one's about. But um, it's basically about just activating uh, people and making them a little yeah, more this, self-aware. The, the
2: situation in Haiti was just absolutely terrible at the time that, that he wrote this song. Uh, the uh, the Duvalier regime had been in power for a number of years. Papa Doc, the uh, older of the two Duvalier dictators, had just died and been replaced by his son Jean-Claude, or Baby Doc, as he yeah. came to be known, who was finally overthrown in 1986. Uh, there was this, this vicious uh, militia called the Tonton Macout that the Duvaliers used to eliminate anybody they didn't like in in very barbaric ways and the story is that marley was actually flying out of haiti and just looking down and and started thinking about this situation and that's where the song came from but it's it's actually directed against the duvalier regime in haiti originally it's been picked up and used by protesters against everything everywhere but that's how it started out
0: yeah, if you're a Marley fan, learn a little bit more about it than just you know, it's it's something to smoke, you know, a spleef too. Yes. Well, that's yeah.
3: true for reggae in general. I mean, uh, Steel Pulse is a band that is very, very socially aware, always commenting about things. And Peter Tosh, and uh, just to get to this song, I'd really recommend all listeners listen to uh, the version of this by Peter Tosh live. It is angrier, has more energy, more rocking, really, than the Marley version. It's something special. Yep, but we
0: have the Marley version here. Right here. Let's go. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your
3: right. Get up, stand up. Get up, stand up.
0: Get up, stand up. It's uh, bottom of the hour following Bob Marley here on Rock Want We're going to take a quick break from our lecture series talking about protest songs. Introduce ourselves one more time. I'm Joe Burns. Bill Robinson. Chad P. And Dan McCarthy. And we're going to take, uh, take some time and talk about seven days and 70 seconds. Something that happened on these dates uh, from June 11th all the way through June
2: 17th. And I believe uh, Bill Robinson has June 11th. Go. June 11th, 1969, David Bowie's Space Oddity is released to coincide coincide with the first lunar landing.
1: June 12th, 1965, the Beatles received their MBE. That's not Masters in Business Economics. No, that stands for the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire Awards. Good for them. Most excellent. Uh, 20 years later, June 13th, 1985, the Live Aid Concerts took
0: place both, both in London and Philadelphia. June 14th, 1971, the very first Hard Rock Cafe
2: opened in London, and I have my pins from there. A whole series of them. June 15th, 1989, Nirvana's album Bleach is released. The title comes from a poster that states, Bleach Your Works, asking drug users to bleach their needles. What? Yes. That's where it comes from. June 16th, 1998,
1: Sunhawk Corporation signed a multi-year deal with Warner Brothers to sell Warner-owned sheet music via this new invention called the interweb.
3: What's that? On June 17, 1987, a Florida real estate agent, Victoria Holman, sued Motley Crue and their promoters for hearing loss after she and her daughter received her only 10 feet 3 inches from the main speaker's. (laughs) What? The case was settled out of course for $30 billion. No, $30,000. How did you know <laughs> she
1: was sitting exactly 10 feet, 3, three inches, inches from the speakers? That's
0: what's wonderful. The little app that I use on my phone that gets me all of this kind of stuff, that's what it said,
1: 10 feet, 3 inches. That's so awesome. That's very she is a real estate <laughs> agent, you have to keep one of those... Th- instruments, to manage, yeah, you know. <laughs> you
0: know, for the uh, for the lawsuit, they figured it out ten feet three inches. But you got to know ten feet three inches is from here to that wall. Mm-hmm. You're at a Motley Crue concert. There sits the speaker.
1: You know, no, I guarantee you. As soon as uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got to move, Bob. right? As soon as this Dr. Dr. Feelgood started
1: off, I guarantee you she got pushed back yeah. a couple of feet. <laughs> you know, I I went to see the
0: last American concert of Judas Priest, and I was three-quarters of the way back in the room, and my ears were being pushed back. I can only imagine what 10 feet 3 inches at a crew concert was. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, back into music, talking about protest songs. Stevie Wonder, Living for the City. Who wants to talk about it?
3: I'll get going on this one. Again, just to tie in with the whole idea of people you don't normally expect as protest writers. No, Stevie not at all. Wonder, I mean, just that whole Intervisions album that came off is just a stunning, stunning album and, well, um, did he put out a dog?
0: I, no, I mean, come on! Yeah, it, it was just
3: <laughs> this guy's got Mozart level talent. It's just it's insane. But this one right here, it's one of the most biting songs. About it's kind of funny how it ties in both um, uh, rural things. They talk about someone moving in Mississippi and then saving up all his money just to go to the big city, and then terrible things happen. But the passion in Stevie's voice here is it. It makes your it makes you just skin. Uh, you get all goosebump when you hear it. It's so. Uh, passionate
0: right and there's a whole big section at the end that'll we'll probably not play because yeah. of the the time we have an hour to play but uh, we'll probably get rid of it somewhere around 415 in the song but there's a whole section at the end that's uh, a little vignette where somebody it's, it's in the New York City section of it I believe yeah. correct where somebody says here hold this man and it's I, I drugs you're your to yeah. suggest and this poor kid from Mississippi gets nailed Right out of the box, and is taken out. So if you get a chance, grab the full seven yeah, and a half minute absolutely. version of "Living for the City," and you'll hear this 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 kid who
2: lives his dream of going to the big city and is gone. Yeah, it that makes quick. makes the point very well that racism was not just a southern thing, but uh, something that people encountered yeah, when they moved to New York, moved to Chicago, moved to Boston, wherever the case might be.
0: Right, it was everywhere. Here's Stevie Wonder, "Living for the City," School. This is Rock School as we do uh, the first of our lecture series here with our guests in the studio, Dan and Bill. Now that uh, we've had part of a show with them, I can call them by their first names. Uh, We're doing protest songs, history, religion, and science. We are in the first of the four show set. This is protest songs. Let's talk about this one here. And the reason it uh, jumps up and bites me is because it talks about Guatemalan refugee camps. I'm going to go over to, uh, to Bill tell me about Bruce Colburn if I had a rocket launcher
2: okay Bruce Colburn is a Canadian sort of folk rock artist who is also a Christian mystic and much more likely I'm, to be a I'm soci- sorry yes no, you, you don't get to drop that and walk away <laughs> a Christian mystic yes yeah, Christ is. Is. a Christian mystic Canadian that's That'd, right indeed he is what's um, that well, he, he is a Canadian who is a mystical Christian. That's about it. Oh, well. well, now that you've explained a, a, a great, that, why not you just say it louder? <laughs> a great deal of his music uh, deals with uh, Christian themes, sort of from you know uh, the, the, the mystical side of the spectrum, uh, influenced by earlier Christian mystics and what have you. And his. Uh, Morality and attitudes to to social uh, problems and to war and what have you are shaped by that to a considerable extent. But as a general rule, you'd probably think of Bruce Coburn as as a pacifist. Uh, certainly, certainly not uh, somebody who talks about picking up a rocket launcher. Uh, but in this particular case, um, he was invited by uh, Oxfam, the uh, British charitable organization, to go to some Guatemalan refugee camps in Mexico. Uh, in 1983, when uh, the military dictator Efren Rios Montt was persecuting Mayans and also uh, Roman Catholic clergy in Guatemala. And and the, the situation there was just horrible. There were all sorts of terrible human rights abuses. And he was sufficiently infuriated about this that he wrote a song about it called If I Had a Rocket Launcher, which suggests taking something Less than a uh, pacifist approach uh, to dealing with Just it. Slightly now, less, yeah. he he subsequently said that he he wasn't really urging people to you know to to shoot at helicopters with rocket launchers. But the imagery of this song is very very powerful. Um, interesting uh, footnote to this: um, a few years ago, I think it was in two thousand nine, Bruce Coburn did a tour of uh, army bases in the Middle East to play for American soldiers, and when he was in Afghanistan. Uh, American troops, being, being the inventive guys that they are, <laughs> made sure that he got his picture taken with him holding a rocket launcher. Nice. Brilliant. Brilliant. Here is Bruce Colburn. I had a rocket launcher. Rock Here
0: comes the helicopter. Second time today.
3: Everybody scatters. And hopes it goes away. How many kids they've murdered
0: Only God can save All right, second break here on Rock School. Now, while we were off air and the song was playing, you were sort of throwing your hands in the air, as most jocks do. And, oh,
2: I should have mentioned that. I should have mentioned that. What else were you going to say about Colburn and MTV? Well, this this uh, particular song was the, the subject of a music video that was one of the first ones to really get a lot of airplay on MTV and probably uh, did more to popularize Bruce Coburn as an artist south of the Canadian border than just about anything else he's done. Another little interesting footnote. It's from a, an album called "Stealing Fire," which is, of course, a reference to the Prometheus myth, which uh, moviegoers will know is backing back in the news again uh, today, courtesy of Ridley Scott. There you are,
1: Doctor Bill. I have a question.
2: Certainly, please, it's please. the young man in the back. Yeah, young yeah. man back here.
1: Um, when I think of a protest song era, I automatically go into the '60s. But I mean, you know, educate me. Have protest songs been around?
2: before that well to the best of our knowledge they've been around as long as there's been music uh, certainly uh, if you go back to the Greeks the the first people that have really have left us any written music although we're not quite sure how to read a lot of it um, a, a good deal of their poetry and later on uh, poetry that was set to music like lyric poetry uh, was actually involved with social protest uh, or social commentary and what have you uh, in the Middle Ages, a lot of what we would call now medieval folk tunes yeah. you know, had an element of protest to them. And certainly once you get into the the early modern period where a lot of music survives, that's been picked up and played by uh, uh, modern artists like Steel Eyes Band, for example, that go back and dig up old folk tunes – uh, a lot of those have a protest element to them as well. Jazz as That's well. Cool. Oh, yeah, jazz, jazz absolutely. I, and, of course, blues is just almost by mm, definition yeah. of protest music. Right. Um, you know, some of it is about, uh, you know, your, your woman leaving you and waking up alone, but a lot of it is protest about poverty and what have you. Um, Helen Wolf talks about, you know, poor boy putting newspaper in his shoes to keep him from leaking, that sort of thing.
0: Sure. And and the thing about jazz is it's too often today people, young people, see jazz as just sort of people whizzing up and down scales, but I... I try to. I try like crazy in my uh, film history class, and we start getting into the jazz singer and and all of that. And in reefer madness, if you remember, yep. it's the, the the terrible music is jazz. If you listen to it, you're mm-hmm. going to start
2: smoking marijuana mm-hmm. and and such. It's it was really the frightening music of the day. Well, we were talking about the influence of uh, rock music in the the Soviet bloc uh, earlier. They also tried their best to keep jazz down because. Jazz went against the whole notion of the dialectic. You don't improvise. You know right. Things are supposed to follow rules, but right. jazz players improvise. Yeah. If, so you, w-
0: if you watch the Blackboard Jungle, supposedly the first rock and roll soundtrack, there's only about four rock songs on it. Then the rest of it is jazz. Right. (laughs) Frightening. Who listens to us, Chad?
1: WBSD in Burlington, Wisconsin.
0: That's right. And also on the campus of LSU, uh, KLSU Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. We'll do another song. Dan is going to introduce this one for us. Right now, rock school. Back into music, talking about protest songs. Uh, I just don't know this one. Going to hand it over to Dan. Tell me about the Specials' "Ghost Town."
1: You don't know that one? No, uh, <laughs> neither
0: do you. <laughs> Stand it's, down.
1: It, it's,
3: it's a great one. I mean, um, right around. I was lucky to live in England in 1980, and it was this kind of exciting time in music because there was this huge. Um, Ska Revival, all these two-tone bands they call them, white kids and black kids getting together and playing and there was the specials Madness, the English beat was a big one, UB40 was one which was named after the British Unemployment form. (laughs) And, and you know at the time I was 15 and you hear the music and it's fun to dance to and bop around and that's really what the whole idea was but again when you start getting into what they're talking about, there are some really socially poignant things they were talking about. And this specifically one, uh, Ghost Town, is one of the many of the specials to talk about that are so relevant to social issues. And Bill can probably go into more details about specifically what this one's about. What's it
0: about?
2: Yeah, I, ha- I have to pre- uh, preface that by pointing out that another of the two-tone bands was Bad Manners, which had a singer named Buster Bloodvessel who used to dress up as Henry VIII. Uh, On other occasions, he he dressed as a can-can dancer, uh, which is not something I'm prepared to do. Okay. But at any rate... um, Henry VIII or the can-can dancer? I'll do Henry VIII, but not the can-can dancer. (laughs) Okay. Uh, In in any case, this song um, comes out uh, of, you know, protest against uh, unemployment, basically, and uh, the decay of cities that was going on at the time. Um, supposedly, it was inspired when Jerry Dammers and the rest of the band uh, visited Glasgow in 1980 and saw the terrible shape that the city was in. And um, a lot of people now think that it's about the the riots in Britain in 1981 in Brixton and Liverpool and about thirty something other places, but. Actually, uh, it preceded those and just coincidentally happens to address a lot of the same issues.
0: So it's simply a trip to Glasgow. We hate the urban decay, and, and they wrote right. it off of that. Yeah.
2: But that okay. was happening all over England. Oh, It was oh, such yes. a
3: huge um, industrial nation. So Sheffield was known for steel, and that's going away. And Birmingham, Manchester, all these cities were just exactly. decaying. So that's one example of what's happening all over
0: the place. All right. Let's take a listen to it. Here are the specials Ghost Town, back school. break here on rock school time to play one more and it's a short one it's going to be Azamatli featuring charlie tuna so before we talk about it let's real quickly one more time with our names joe burns bill robinson Chad p and dan mccarthy okay somebody tell me about this
2: Azamatli featuring charlie tuna because i'll be honest with you i know nothing about them they are a multi-ethnic band that plays uh, everything from latin to hip-hop uh, originally founded to play at a los angeles labor protest Uh, become extremely popular uh, for their live shows. And this particular song uh, protests everything from attacks on civil liberties to the Vatican's political influence to gang violence and uh, rich rappers who forget their roots. (laughs) So it's all one giant protest song. You want to add anything to it? Um, I'm
3: just really glad we do have some sort of hip-hop in here. I think hip-hop was one genre that was always very relevant with protests and social issues, so I'm glad it is in this show. It belongs here.
0: Fair enough. Now, next week, we'll be back with the second of a four part lecture series. Songs about History is where we go next. Gentlemen, nice job. I'll see you next week. That's it. Class is dismissed. Who's to blame? Who is the one who sparked the flame? The
2: victim of the chain, part of the game. We can get murdered for money, sex, and fame. The question remains the same. Who's to blame? Yeah. My heart's torn as I watch my heart fall. Get blacks and charge, the writers of black forms, the body the